What's up, Chicago? I'm Erin Allen, and this is The Rundown. So the wind chill got down to around 20 below this past weekend. Finally feels like winter in Chicago. But just last month, we were seeing record high temperatures in Chicago. Whether all this ebbing and flowing is actually a sign of climate change or not, it definitely gets you thinking. Would all this be happening if the climate wasn't changing for the worse? For a lot of us, we ask ourselves, and maybe Google, a question like that. Get the answer, maybe recommit to briefer showers or composting, and we go about our lives. But for others, some harder feelings come up. I learned a new term for one of those feelings recently, eco-anxiety. Eco-anxiety is the anxiety that people feel as they anticipate changes in their world. This is Libby Bakuber. She's a licensed clinical social worker and psychotherapist, and she's helping people process their feelings about climate change through these gatherings called climate cafes. People get together and have conversations about the anxiety, guilt, anger, and other emotions they're experiencing when they think about the ecological changes of our world. Haven Denson heard about Libby's work, and she decided to bring a climate cafe to the folks she works with at the Peggy Notabart Nature Museum. People that, you know, really care about nature and sustainability and who are already aware that we have a lot of work to do in, in this space. These are the people who are feeling a lot of that climate anxiety, and it can really start to impact your mental health when this is a big part of your life. Haven coordinates the museum's Chicago Conservation Corps, a.k.a. C3. So she works with people who dedicate a lot of their time to conservation. We'll get more into climate cafes in a little bit. First, we started by talking more about the feelings that come up around climate change. Here's Libby. I think people get really terrified about the future and start imagining these really worst case scenarios. So many of us, more or less, have some plans, some fantasies, ideas about our future and the future maybe of our children if we have them. And so as we start to imagine the scenarios related to climate change, it can get really scary. It can feel like the world that you were counting on is not going to be there. And instead, it's going to be much harder than you might have hoped. Some people also point out that a layer of climate anxiety sometimes is actually disenfranchised grief because there's actually so much to grieve here about, again, the future you were hoping for. um, But also you kind of wake up to how separate we are from what we call nature or the natural world as if that's a separate thing from us. Um, And as you grieve that, as you feel that sadness about that, you know, in, in some ways, some of the anxiety goes away and sometimes anxiety is actually a way to defend against other feelings wow i i've heard that also about about anger you know you're you're so angry until you kind of take a look at that as an emotion and you realize it may be something else um i wonder if you can talk about anger i i know some people right especially people you might work with um haven are pissed um can you can you get into that libby the anger that people experience yeah, like you said, anger anger has can have a lot of different kind of origins in a way. Sometimes anger can come from a sense of helplessness. Um, it is infuriating to feel that there are people who have such great power in this situation and are not only not acting in ways that would um, 
help people, but they are in some ways actively adding to the problems that we're dealing with. So yeah, helplessness can be related to anger. Um, Shame can be underneath anger sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's like shame is such a painful feeling, but there's also a really healthy form of anger, which is anger at the systems that are causing these issues. And I mean, that that's a really helpful notion that I've absorbed from others is, you know, redirect your anger toward the systems. Yeah, and if I can say, I... I think that's the importance of these climate cafes, because when you are so isolated and you're feeling that anger, sometimes it can come out in and you can express it in ways that aren't as productive. Um, I know me and, and my coworkers have gotten sometimes like, why are you teaching us about recycling when the city of Chicago doesn't even recycle properly, you know, and things like that, that that anger that like this is this is pointless why are you even spending time on this yes um but i think these climate cafes give people that important space to express that anger in a healthy way yeah um and you know with people that are also feeling that exact same anger as well yeah With the climate cafes, just break it down for me. What are the primary goals um, and tenets of of how they run and what you hope to do to address some of these emotions that people feel? Um, Haven, can you start? Yeah, I, I think, you know, of course, Libby has been doing this longer than I have. But one of the goals that I had was to just start talking about it, you know, that very basic first step to hold a safe space where people can feel heard and understood and realize that these are valuable conversations to have. I think a lot of times people think, you know, there's, there's no solution. So if I, it's just going to turn into me complaining, you know, oh, you know, the world is messed up. And so what are we going to do about it? You know, um, but with these climate cafes, it's important to step back and say, no, like thinking about this and to talking about climate anxiety can actually begin to relieve some of that anxiety and help you realize that you're not alone, you're not isolated, that this is kind of a, a global trauma that we are experiencing. There is, it it's, might sound dramatic to say, but for some people, it can really feel like we're experiencing the apocalypse, you yeah. know, and that that's that impending doom hanging over mm-hmm. our heads. And so that's a lot to have sitting on your shoulders all the time. And so before we can even get to the action, before we can even start working to solutions, just having that community of people who are able to be really honest and vulnerable with each other um, and provide that safe space. Yeah. I also just want to throw in here that the the format of the Climate Cafe is not something I made up or Haven made up. You know, it's something that um, it's a format that I learned from the Climate Psychology Alliance um, of North America. It's a format that's used all over the world. Um, mm. It's a way to come together around an issue that's that's kind of stigmatized and and not spoken about. So it's it's a way to come together and find support. Um, around feelings that you may never have had a chance to say aloud in any setting and to feel a sense of solidarity around that. And, and as you do that, 
you start to discover that it's possible to feel these feelings, to bear these feelings, to tolerate them, um, to work with them, and actually to find inspiration and ways forward. Okay. So, Haven, I know race and socioeconomics um, have come up during the climate cafes and come up in your work um, in general with C3. Um, How do you hear folks talk about that um, with your work? It's such a unique, you know, kind of space to have one of these climate cafes. And I think Libby and I discussed this, you know, after the one that we held. But we can't forget that climate change does not treat everyone equally. Just like we have these systems of oppression built into place, you know, that also affects the way we navigate the world in every aspect of our lives. And so for the most marginalized communities, climate change affects those people the most. Um, And so there are many different ways that each individual experiences that climate anxiety as a Gen Z, I think it is very top of mind and it weighs heavily on a lot of my peers. But also as a black woman, there are so many other issues that are also top of mind. Mm. I think, you know, before I even got into this work, I was um, kind of a community advocate, uh, mostly in the anti-racism space. And so transitioning and bringing this climate justice lens to anti-racism as well, it's so important that those two things go hand in hand. Um, It's kind of inevitable when you have diverse perspectives in the room that some of these conversations about race and class also arise Mm -hmm. um, because it truly affects the way we see the world and the way we experience nature and the climate. Um, Black and brown people have had such limited access to understanding nature and being allowed in these spaces. Um, I think for some, it can be kind of confusing because it's like, oh, we're not talking about racism right now. We're talking about climate change. (laughs) Um, And so it's important to realize that we can't separate them. Those are kind of one and the same. They're both on the same level. So much of what is happening with the climate um, of of this world um, has to do with how we see ourselves in nature, how we value animals, how we value plants. And I wonder how this factors into your work. Um, Haven, can you start? Totally. Um, An idea that is essential kind of for me as I go through this work is to remember that we are not a separate entity. Um, We are not separated from nature. Humans are nature. Mm -hmm. You know, we are a part of it. We are, you know, one big ecosystem. We are living as, you know, brothers and sisters with the animals and the trees. And, you know, we are not above, um, any of those things. And so as we fail all these different life forms and the actions that we take as a collective, you know, destroy our environment, we are also destroying ourselves. 
you know, and I think mm. that is what people lost through, you know, greed for so long um, because it was like nature is expendable. That's not going to harm me when in reality we are nature. Yes. We are a part of nature. Um, humans can't be separated from that. And so I think that's what's always important for me to remember. Yeah. I want to get back to emotions. Um, some other emotions besides anxiety and, and hopelessness are hope, um, by contrast, and joy. Um, Libby, can you talk about those conversations that you're having when it comes to climate change? Yeah. So those words actually were, they came to me through Jennifer Ukendu, who's a Nigerian um, activist and researcher. And um, it was listening to her that that helped me realize that that is part of my experience also. Mm -hmm. And as we feel more of a connection to the more than human world, um, as we feel um, more of a connection to one another, we find a sense of hope. We find a sense of direction. And um, mm. Joanna Macy, who is the philosopher, but also who has been helping people for decades with these kinds of feelings, um, talks about the great turning and the idea of a movement that so many people are part of in different ways uh, mm. toward a better, a better future, toward a more sustainable, um, more connected to one another way of life. And as you find yourself in that kind of movement, it's inspiring. Yeah. The great turning. I love that. That's so, it just sounds so epic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. I'm already like, oh my God, could I be a part of the great turning? You are. Um, yeah. <laughs> you are. That's the thing. You start realizing the ways that you are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Haven, yeah, where do you see that hope and joy um, when you're working with C3 and with climate cafes? Yeah. And I, as an activist yourself. Mm -hmm. As much as hopelessness is a debilitating emotion, I think hope is the most activating emotion, at least for me. Mm -hmm. um, because I truly believe without hope, nothing is worth it. <laughs> you know, what are we working for if we don't see a future where things do get better? Um, and so... That is what I will always urge people to hold on to. You know, I think a lot of people look at the climate crisis as, you know, and sometimes I've seen articles or posts that kind of explicitly say this, that like we're past the point of no return. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've but, seen this. Yeah, yeah. But I think that in reality, it's so much more nuanced than that. The do I think it's more like dominoes falling and there are a lot of dominoes already on the ground and they're still <laughs> falling over, but there's still a lot left. Mm. And if we can just have hope to kind of stop it in its tracks, kind of go back and pick some of those dominoes up, you know, it's not all hope is not lost. Um, and so I think that is what I encourage people who are a part of the Chicago Conservation Corps to hang on to when I get those questions like, what's the point of this? You know, those big corporations are going to continue what they're doing. What's the point of individual or community action? You have to have hope that what you do matters. 
Taven Denson is the Chicago Conservation Corps coordinator at the Chicago Academy of Sciences and the Peggy Notabart Nature Museum. Haven, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Libby Bakuber is a licensed clinical social worker and psychotherapist. Libby, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Libby and Haven are looking to do more climate cafes for Chicago Conservation Corps members in the future. If you want to get involved, go to chicagoconservationcorps.org. And that's CORE, C-O-R-P-S. And that's it for today. Thank you to Justin Bull and Sarah Stark for producing The Rundown and to Ariel Van Clee for editing the show. Brendan Banaszak is our executive producer. Our theme music is by Louis Weeks. The Rundown is produced by WBEZ Chicago and is a part of the NPR Network. And shout out to another five-star listener for a five-star rating. Maddie said, this is listening to Authentic Chicago. The Rundown is a must. I'm an Android listener who logged into Apple for the first time in six years to give you five stars. Yes, Maddie. Those Apple versus Android wars are real. So thank you for rising above all of that just to show so much love. If you love the show as well, please rate us and review us. It is invaluable feedback. And five-star ratings get the show into more people's ears. And a shout-out like this on the show. I'm Erin Allen. Thank you for listening to The Rundown. I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>